This is Melancholy Geek, episode 12, Delayed and Repeating. Welcome to Melancholy Geek, where you get the thoughts and opinions of a uh, geek with depression. My name is Preston, and it's New Year's Eve, with a whole 28 minutes left to the year, at least where I am. And uh, yeah, it's been a while, because it's been a while. Uh, it's hard. Uh, life is hard. Life's hard for everybody, but... Um, People like myself can have that much more trouble um, just to get the you know get up and go to sit down and do this is very difficult. But here I am with nothing to do at the end of the year when most people are out partying and ringing in the new year with loved ones, and I'm my sad lonely self. It's okay. Well, you know, as okay as that can be. But still, it's okay. Because, just because. So, um, what's happened since October when I did this last? Uh, let's see. Uh, last time I wanted to do an episode was a weekend where, I believe it, I had Thor Ragnarok came out. BlizzCon happened. And I got my new iPhone. It was the beginning of November. Uh, so let's talk about that. And then we'll just talk in general about other stuff that's happened. So number one, Thor Ragnarok. Probably the funniest Marvel movie. Without question. It's If it wasn't... You essentially were like the... the yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It was a roller coaster of ups and downs and the downs weren't like the ups were action and the downs were humor and sometimes you were like on that peak a lot so it was excellent movies great it's it's another fantastic uh marvel showing so you can't it's just it's crazy good uh so that was a good start to that weekend technically it wasn't a start was it a start i can't remember did i see that yes anyway so that was the thing. Uh, and then, well, actually, that was part of the weekend, but that was the quickest thing I can explain. Uh, that Friday, I got a coworker to bring me to the local mall where I had successfully pre ordered for launch day an iPhone 10. And I got my phone, and then I headed home to go see BlizzCon. Funny enough, I stopped at a local restaurant to eat before I went home because I hadn't eaten much today that day surprise right and I happened to have a conversation about World of Warcraft and it was a pretty good conversation uh, she mentioned how she was very interested in, in playing the uh, this on a lot of the servers that popped up which were emulating like vanilla World of Warcraft like the original 1 to 60 so that was interesting. And of course, we, we talked about BlizzCon and what the chances are of Blizzard doing that. And I was like, nah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's happening. So one of the big announcements of BlizzCon was that Blizzard is working on Vanilla WoW. 
made a horrible joke to introduce it, but that's something they're working on. Uh, I speculated it might come out in 2018, but all of the people in the know are, are indicating that that's not likely. So, hey, that's fine. It'll happen. Uh, it's not something I'm really interested in, but I'd probably give it a try. However, um, they of course announced the next expansion, Battle for Azeroth, where it's going to be focusing on key storylines that escalated tensions between the Horde and Alliance, which is fun. It, that kind of stuff tends to indicate more PvP-oriented, which I'm not a fan of. Um, I would prefer to have a more um, unified world, Horde and Alliance, but I'm weird like that. Uh, but yeah, so some strategic areas in World of Warcraft are going to be changing. So like places where the Horde were based are going to change and we're going to get new factions. Of course, that's common, but we're like the leveling experience is going to be different, which is the first time in a very long time that that's been the case for Horde and Alliance. Pretty much the entire leveling experience, not just a bit an expansion anyway, not just a, oh, I'm going to start over here and they're going to start over here, there and work their way up, which is, you know, a little bit, but it's mostly been different areas of the same zone. Not the case here. The idea is Horde's going to be over here, and, and honestly, this is impromptu, so I didn't prepare for this. So um, Horde is going to be an area where the Zandalar trolls are based. So they're going to start on that area, and then the Alliance is going to start on a completely other area where a group of pirate-esque people are. I don't know. But anyway, and they're going to level in those two separate areas. And then when you're max level, you can kind of bounce between. That's the indication. Um, so a lot of interesting things. Our artifact weapons are gone, which is too bad because I love the artifact weapons. Um, a weapon that leveled with you that, that I enjoyed thoroughly. They're going to make an item level with you this time in, in a similar fashion, only it's going to be a neck piece. A little bit more customization as you level and and get get certain items. The selection in that and leveling of that neck piece will affect other items that you get. I'm explaining this horribly, but nonetheless, it's it's a lot of integration from the neck piece, which you uh, gain resources for you find throughout the world and use to level that up. Similar, but a little bit different. Um, it'll be interesting to be looking for weapons again. As for loot. So yeah, not a lot that I can really explain right now. It's just because, like I said, I didn't do research for this. This is an impromptu one, but very fun. Now, a lot of that was explained briefly, and then they did their little in-game cinematic, which is which is common. But what wasn't common and uh, very surprising was they actually had the full intro cinematic, which is in pure blizzard fashion spectacular and there are moments where you can't no no matter what side you're on you lost your mind they had very empowering moments where you the two heads of the faction so sylvanas and uh, anduin just it's 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 something you have to see it's it's really something you have to see but it's amazing so that was huge um I had a lot of announcements that I was excited with for 
other Blizzard titles. Nothing, nothing really for Diablo, which is too bad, but that's still out there, so anything's possible. Uh, they made the base game of StarCraft II free-to-play, so that's interesting. Uh, I own it all already, so not a big deal, but still, it's, it's, it's definitely different. Introduced new characters for Heroes of the Storm, because that's what they do. Uh, they showed some cinematics and new maps for Overwatch, so that was fun. Um, neither of those two last ladder games I play, so it's not a big deal. They announced the next Hearthstone expansion, which is uh, already out by now, <laughs> funny enough. Uh, but it's Cobalt and Catacombs. Pretty standard, nothing too fancy when it comes to the cards themselves. Some stuff is fun, like a recruit mechanic, where um, when it's triggered in whatever fashion, it recruits, based off the card text, a card from your deck, straight from your deck. So that's kind of fun. Uh, but the big thing about Cobalt is the dungeon run. That's been pretty fun. There's no, there's nothing outside of the entertainment of it. And a lot of people like the style. You basically start with a 15 card deck, I want to say. So it's not, it's not a full deck. And you face a very basic random opponent of like, oh, I don't know, three or four. But there's so many things. So you get randomized starting opponents out of, groups of possible opponents. You have a lower starting health, but so do they. And you just get in there and you fight, you know, feel for it. You choose whatever class and it's random. I think the starting decks are the same for each class when you play that class. When you win, and you're most likely to win that first battle, you get three randomized choices of perks or treasures as they like to call them for the game itself. And what this does is it does something ridiculous uh, from double your starting health to start your turn with a full set of random secrets uh, like really crazy overpowered stuff but and then you after you choose that item after the first win you get a set of three more cards to add to your deck that kind of have a theme and there are three sets of those so you have to then pick what you want and add that to your deck and go forward now, after every win, you get a new set of three cards that out of three sets that have a focus. And sometimes, if you're lucky, you get the same set all the time. You can really make a focus deck. Every second win, you actually do get a new bonus to add to the deck that you're going. So you can then have start your, you know, uh, your starting hand as a... There's just too many to talk about, but like, so you get... Like I said, a full set of secrets and your double your starting health. So you keep going through this and you and you gotta fight like um, eight bosses to to win it. Uh, and they're they're all randomized and they they really start getting hard. Because their strategies are focused on what they are. So if, if your deck isn't versatile, then you can get destroyed. But they're fun. Uh, there's no reward from it, but sometimes you just need something quick and entertaining to play and uh, it does that very well. Uh, I've gotten to the last boss once, and it destroyed me. Destroyed me. Fiery, fiery destruction. Yeah, so the, that's in general what's going on with BlizzCon, but I, you know, there's a lot of things to watch and stream and get more details about all of this, and, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, then there's the iPhone. So the iPhone 10 is 
quite the device. It is everything that they showed off, but you really don't get the feel of it until you hold it in your hand. So you can tell it's bigger than the, the 7 and 8, you know, that size. It doesn't really feel bigger in the sense that you look at it and compare it, like what you're used to in the size of the phone. The screen just, just is massive in comparison. The big thing comes when you first hold it in your hand. It It's not substantially heavier, but it feels substantial, substantially heavier. Don't know why. It's just it's one of those things. But it's, it's a good heavy. It's not like, holy crap, this is, you know, it's a good heavy. The screen is is beyond anything. It is a gorgeous, vivid screen. And as I thought about it, I immediately have on my main screen when I'm using it, a black background. And it is black because those pixels are not even lit up. So it is so dark. And it really makes it look good because even though I don't mind the notch when I am using the phone, and that's the thing, I'll get to that in a second. With the black background, when I'm not using anything, that fades away and it just looks like the, the time is in the top top corner and the, the other information is in the top opposite corner. It just doesn't look like it. I don't know, there's something about that. I just, it is amazing. Um, I haven't done a lot with the camera yet because there's not a lot to shoot inside and it's been pretty damn cold since I got this phone. I live in Canada and uh, so I haven't taken a lot I, had, I did get one nice picture like a fall picture of some leaves and the colors are very vivid and, the, and even with my crazy tremory shaky hands it came out really nice so the camera is definitely good um but yeah no I've been like the biggest thing is exactly what everyone said and everyone expected is getting used to the gestures so the gestures to swipe up instead of using the home button getting used to that it took a while um i'm used to it now I'm very used to it i like it uh i'm not a fan of how you get to control center i do use that fairly often and, and i i still think that there should be a better placement than that being right at the top corner but that's me uh, i think some people are okay with it but i'm not a fan of that that's uh kind of annoying the facetime or the the notch as everyone calls it uh, I don't really call it that. The off-camera system that they... The true depth camera. <laughs> I remembered something. That's fantastic. That thing has been surprisingly good. Um, I fool around with the emojis. I still haven't had a chance for my niece and nephews to... Or nieces and nephews to try it out. I can't wait for that. Because there's something about it. That's going to be fun. Um, my problem, personally, is when I'm using it for that comes back to my shaky hands so my like the emoji is really shaky in face so it's kind of weird but uh if i have it docked and i'm using it it's fine it's uh pretty good i must say the face id is it's very good so let me, let me get more specific it works it works very well um even at angles not wide angles but like if it's face down on the desk and i'm close to it it usually works so that, that actually works really well. I would have to say, when it comes to how fast it is, because I think that's a lot of people's biggest problem, it, it's somewhere between f first generation Touch ID and second generation. It's not as fast as the current Touch ID sensor, because that thing's very fast. But it's definitely, it's, it's a bit faster than the first generation. So it's still 
reasonable in speed. Like if you get used to seeing the, like knowing where the position of the phone is to see your face and like when you take it out of your pocket or, or pick it up and swiping at the right time, like you can time it kind of like what I had to do with the original Touch ID is push down on it, but keep my thumb rested so that it allows time for it to unlock. Cause that's what I used to do. I never used to use the power button or the side button as it is now. Uh, to unlock the phone. I used to use the home button for that. So, but once you get used to that, it's it's pretty fluid. I've had a number of times where I've had to use it outside. That's when it gets, gets a little bit tough because if it is a particularly sunny day, if you're on the wrong angle that the infrared light from the sun can throw it off, which obviously it's, that's what it uses. So that can, it's understandable. So that's kind of freaky, but you balance that type of issue with the fact that uh, I used to have to make sure that I took out, you, you know, if I wanted to, I used my thumb. So I had to, you know, take out my thumb to actually uh, unlock the phone and you to use it. Now I don't have that problem. So, you, you know, you balance that. It has worked through sunglasses. Uh, I've had a couple of pairs that I've tried it with and I haven't had any problems. So that's been good. Uh, so overall, I'm quite impressed with it. It is very fast. Uh, even though like still everyday use, you know, you're not going to notice it, but that's, you know, not everybody is me. So yeah, I, I'm definitely a fan. It's been a good device. So that's fun. So, uh, what else can I talk about? Some of the funnier things that have happened in, and I don't mean necessarily funny haha, because it's not funny haha at all, but this, this, um, two and a half, three weeks ago, Probably the biggest, some of the biggest news of the year, and not surprising to most people. In the U.S., the FTC voted against and to remove the current net neutrality uh, rules that were in place put in three years ago. Yeah, about three years ago. And oddly enough, everyone lost their mind. Like, like everyone. People on Facebook, and I don't have anyone from the U.S. on Facebook, um, Everyone lost their minds. Uh, my coworkers were aware of this. My Facebook friends that are not following technology were aware of this. This was very strange to me. So a couple things. A, what changed from when they were introduced? Why wasn't there this happiness then of those rules going into place for the U.S. to, I guess, show really show off what should be? Uh, get get something in place that the you know Canada possibly follow because Canada likes to follow sometimes uh, the way the U.S. works with some of these things. I don't recall when these came into a place initially anything from colleagues or people on Facebook about it. I could be wrong, but you know it's one of those things. But people went crazy that day. Uh, it was very interesting actually. But yeah, so essentially. They took those new roles away, which sucks, yes, because the, some of the core things that were in those rules were good overall. But, you know, overall, the way they, they implemented those rules were not, they were not really appropriate. And I kind of discussed this on one of my previous episodes. Um, essentially, they, the best thing to do and I, in a, and this is something that uh, has been brought up by a few people before. The best thing to do is to not 
use one of the two big classifications in the US, but implement a new classification of what this is. So regretfully, what, what the FTC currently is trying to do in removing the, these rules that are in place right now is to say, we're going to remove them because we think the market will regulate this for us. And maybe that will happen. Maybe it won't. More likely it won't. So that that's the biggest problem. But in places like the US and you really need regulation, regretfully, but you need to regulate it for what it is, not try to make it fit like a telephone service or like a broadcast service, because it's neither of those two things. It is data. It is not communication in, it, in its essence. It's not providing content in its essence. It is a doorway to information that can be almost anything along with communication and and broadcast. So the best solution to that is to really go in and create a new classification and then regulate that in a way that makes sense. Because true net neutrality is providing the data, your access to the data, without discrimination. So that includes paid uh, prioritization, which is the biggest thing that people are worried about. Uh, what that is, is essentially, uh, I'm an ISP. Most of my subscribers are probably watching either or getting their content from either Netflix or YouTube. So my base rate, for instance, for my ISP, for my, uh, my service is say 50 bucks a month, which is quite good, honestly. Um, but to get to Netflix or YouTube and, and allow my service to get to them at a proper rate without any discrimination, there's two ways of this. There's either my, me as an ISP, I charge Netflix and YouTube, say, you know, I've got per however many users, say, I don't know, I don't even know where to go with this, but like, so say, um, $100,000 a year per 50,000 users or, you know, something like that. So that idea, so that's, that's doing that. So that means that there will be no discrimination, which means all the data requested, all the content requested by any user on that network will come through. However, the offside of that, because there's no paid prioritization or like the little guys can't. So people that do podcasts, you know, and, and their own their own networks that can't afford to pay that kind of money to make sure that they get content. They're just going to come in at a, a a a degraded rate. So maybe bandwidth provided on that fifty meg plan or on that fifty dollar plan is a hundred megabits per second, up and down. Well, the little guys get throttled. So maybe they only get five megabits per second down, which we should. 10 years ago, that was pretty damn good. But now with the content we're getting, with the HD content we're looking for, soon to be 4K content we're looking for, it's not gonna cut it. So it makes it hard for the little guys, the niche markets to compete. And that's a problem. On the other side of that, in paid prioritization, uh, paid prioritization, you get, say your basic service, Still, something somewhat common is uh, the concept of data caps. Stupid. 
I don't have time to go into that. So you have your your you know your your data cap for the for the month. So let's say we'll be generous probably and say two hundred gigabytes a month. Well, so that costs your fifty dollars, and then say we'll give you fifty megabits per second. Access whatever you want. But once you hit that cap, well, you know, overages will come up. But if you pay an additional ten dollars, we'll add to your subscription. So we'll give you the streaming bundle, right? And so we'll give you your Netflix and we'll give you your YouTube and we'll give you your, you know, whatever video service you're watching. And that won't count against your tap. So that 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 then bridges into not only paid prioritization, so you're paying for it, but then what you're doing is paying for another thing that goes against net neutrality called zero rating. So that zero rates you towards a, uh, a cap. So this is something that's not as common in the US right now on regular ISPs, except for possibly their own services. But some of the cell phone providers are doing this. Uh, T-Mobile is a big one. So they'll say, okay, these services, as part of our plan, you're just going to get them. Don't worry about data caps. So the problem there is that, again, pushes out the little guys that can't are not part of that, but the customers love it. It's not fun. So that, that that's the core stuff that net neutrality has that, that's a big problem. It's a thing, and not not... It doesn't seem like everybody's actually aware of it, really how it goes and what, what like they, they just hear so much they're not really familiar with it. So how they were classified before allows them the ability to regulate that. So they had a rule in saying, hey, you can't, you, you give access to this, to the internet, you can't delegate what packets come in. It's just you're not allowed to. Uh, they can't do that anymore if this goes through. So this this decision that came on to remove that is has been made, but it's still got to go through process and all those kind of things. So it won't go into effect if it hasn't been stopped until mid next year, I believe. Something like that. But anyway, the biggest problem, like just taking that away, is not a huge deal because that's the way it was before these went into place like two years ago. You know, we'll, we will manage until we can get something better in place. What the issue is on top of this is the FTC is basically saying, we're not going to do anything to prevent the people that have a monopoly or duopoly in certain areas from preventing other new people from coming in. So say uh, an ISP in a rural area has built out that infrastructure they won't they they are not allowing or they're not enforcing the ISP to be required to allow you know a secondary service from coming in and using it and taking that away because that's actually been in place for a little while from my understanding but that that is a big thing and then saying that municipalities so cities and towns that have been looking to build out the infrastructure for the town they can't do that and state laws, no matter what the state wants to do, the federals, federal laws that are in these rulings overrule everything, that's a problem. So the, the, the little additions 
outside of taking away what was there is really the big problem here. And on top of that, the attitude that has been portrayed by the FTC throughout this process, because this has been this has been announced for some time that they're looking to do this, and but what they have to do is they have to have a period of time and and all of that where they they've got to get uh, they got to get comments and hear people and there's been some controversy over one the there's rumors that a lot of the comments that have actually were posted are all fake or a lot of them are fake sorry and two they basically said they don't care what the comments say so that leads you to believe that okay maybe they have an idea to take this away okay and maybe start something new which would have been nice um but then they added this other stuff in to make it harder see this is the fun thing they've been basically the 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 guy made a horrible youtube video the current head of the ftc made a horrible youtube video basically explaining why these decisions were made to and basically saying that let let the industry take care of itself let let the industry compete and that competition will allow the will regulate itself but then they added those those things in that i mentioned that are going to prevent people from competing because like you look over the last couple of years where certain cities where google was coming out with gigabit fiber and just putting it in certain cities and the other ISPs had to react. So that instigated competition. So if the like if the the you know the underdogs and the more local ISPs and more municipal ISPs can't easily or at all come in and create competition, then it's gonna be near impossible for what they're basically saying is the reason they did this to actually go through. Um, so that kind of sucks. But, you know, that, that's what it is right now. Uh, a lot of people are against this, um, politicians on both sides. So there is a possibility that it won't go into place. But there needs to be more. They need to come in and say, okay, we're going to classify this completely differently. So the two classifications right now are... I don't There may be more, but the two that, that have gone back and forth are Title I. Entitled to. Don't ask me to really go into them, but uh, after hearing descriptions of both of these in previous um, podcasts that I have listened to, clearly neither of them fit providing essentially an ISP's what an ISP is. So there needs to be a new classification, and it needs to, or at least okay, what I believe it needs to be is one provide unrestricted reasonably cost or reasonably priced access to the internet for the bandwidth right do not discriminate between the data that is coming down at all and then to some degree if that's saying you know certain certain access to certain bandwidth and depending maybe depending on the area because i understand it might you know rural areas can be a little bit different can only cost so much. 
either that or you have to allow or enforce people to come in and and join and take advantage to some degree of the networks that are out there. Don't restrict people from creating this competition that will inherently really make a true true system. A surprisingly good example of this recently. In Canada, we have really three big cell phone providers. And when it comes to them as ISPs for your data on a cell phone service, and they have their subsidies as well, overall, their plans are about the same throughout the country, except for the provinces that have their own service, their own network. So what happened in these is the, the, the three big ones had to match the costs. So for instance, what I would pay here, probably about after taxes, uh, close to between 90 and $100. So that's unlimited calling to Canada and six gigabits or six gigabytes cap. The way cell service is right now, I understand a little bit of a cap. I get that. Uh, but there's better ways around it. In Manitoba and Saskatchewan, because of the way their, like I said, their provincial services are, they are, I believe, $45 plus taxes. But that's because there's competition there. So what happened recently in they're only in a couple of provinces, the bigger provinces, so British Columbia, Toronto, and I think Quebec. A out-of-the-blue provider, um, which is owned by a, a separate ISP, I think it's called Freedom Mobile, came in and basically cost started stirring the pot. So when it ended up happening, because I've only dug into it a little bit is everybody started providing for $60 you get your unlimited Canada calling but then you get 10 gigabytes so and that's more than enough for most people and $60 for 10 gigabytes when you're talking about cap and the current culture and data that's available that's reasonable pretty sure other countries would laugh at me right now uh, but it's reasonable, much more reasonable than paying like $150 outside of those three provinces to get 10, 10 gigabytes. So that's what's happened when you get competition and, and they can clearly provide that service at that rate without a question. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. So it's, it's not an issue with congestion, significant congestion or anything like that. The, the, the solution to congestion is not, or at least my opinion for the solution to congestion when it comes to cell service, is not to say, oh, you only get this much data. It's to not provide as much bandwidth. Like You do not need quite as much bandwidth when it comes to a cell service, really, when it, you know, then than I need at home. Like for instance, I don't know, like I won't be able to test this, but I think I get somewhere between 50 megabits per second down on my bandwidth right now, which I don't need as a cell service. Really, really, I don't, I just don't. Uh, but that's what I have. Um, 
And that's fine. Anyway, uh, so like competition can work. You get three or four companies in any given area, minimum of two would be preferable, but then it's, sometimes it still doesn't work. But I mean, you get enough people coming in and you get better service plans and, and people are still able to build up with the newer technology, uh, even though they can't market it right. So 5G is coming, that's supposed to have a theoretical maximum of a, t- uh, a gigabit per second. So that's gonna be fun. But like, that's what that's what is needed. So people are need to look not at the small little things that are being hyped up. So everybody that's freaking out about this FTC decision didn't know it was a problem uh, until the media hit it, because that's probably what the issue is. So it, it's hard to really come in. So I know that, I don't know what a good solution is, honestly, I, I don't. What I do know is that we are coming into 2018, things, accessing the internet, providing an internet service is closer to providing electricity, kind of, than it is to some of the other services. It, it is brand new, but I mean, it's something that everyone should have the ability to access at a reasonable price. It's not a per usage thing, like electricity. It can't be, because it's not, because electricity has a limit. You know, you whatever area you're in, power is generated in whatever fashion, be it nuclear, be it water, be it dams, whatever. So that's then provided into the grid. So that that has a, that's finite. Same thing like uh, city water supplies and some stuff like that, that's finite. The internet is not finite. So what I mean by that is the data is infinitely copyable. So downloading something the amount of, amount of data that comes over the you know the backbones and into your home does not affect the service like the it you know there's no impact on it so there's no point in really any home based service be it DSL which is not a common work cable or uh, fiber I have a version of fiber here my home should there should be no the fiber service i have does not have a data cat which is great because you it's near impossible to cause enough data to come through to affect everybody these days in that network but sure it happens but there's when it happens what that means is you just don't get that data as fast, possibly, right? And that's fine. That happens, right? So it takes longer to get that whatever you're getting, or maybe you have to deal with a little bit of buffering. Suddenly happens for me. But that that's what you have. So you should be, the charge should be looking at not how much data you're allowed to download, because that doesn't make any sense. It should be, say, okay, it should be just simply, okay, how many lanes or how much data can I get at any given time? How much do I have access to? Now we're talking into the seconds, right, clearly. So that bandwidth, that term bandwidth, that's what you can, should, should only charge for. So if you're gonna go from uh, 50 gigabit, uh, megabits per second to 100, okay, that's an increase in speed. 
right? That that's your extra ten or your extra five. And really, realistically, the base plan should be more of providing the access to that and then a basic bandwidth. So I think reasonable, depending on the service provider, a fifty dollar a month plan with fifty megabits per second depending on the type of service up or down is more than enough. And then maybe 10, $15 more to double that, right? And then make it more realistic. So I don't know, that's my, I think something, it needs to be done that way. Cause I shouldn't, we, we live in one of the most modern and first world countries in the world. And then the U.S. is even more so, with more people and more money and influence and all this kind of stuff. Yet, their internet access and service provided is some of the worst in the world. So is ours. You go to South Korea, the service you get for home internet is beyond what we have. A lot of countries in Europe, same thing. So we, we have to... As, uh, as our country, we need to reevaluate. I think a little bit less as bad as the U.S. The U.S. needs to reevaluate. Hell, the world needs to reevaluate. But that's got to happen. That's a tough thing to happen because the world has not quite gotten to the point where it's a global community yet. It is in the sense that we can almost indefinitely talk to anybody in the world easily now. But there's still not as a community thinking the same way and just making these decisions uh, all together. So back to pay prioritization. So imagine a the internet is a lake or a an ocean. And an, an, an ISP is basically a nice area uh, on the lake on the ocean with a wharf possibly providing boats where you as a customer can go and fish it's like okay you want to go have some fish you uh i'm going to charge you this much money uh and you get one fishing pole or you get one net to use at a time you want oh there's two of you you want you want to fish both of you fish at the same time okay i'm going to charge you a little bit extra to get another fishing pole so that's a very basic description of what the internet is, or as it should be. Overall, pay prioritization when it comes to, say, Netflix or YouTube, the ISPs then charge them, is saying that now the fish are going to be charged in some way. There's some restriction on that fish from getting in. So maybe I like salmon, so I'm going to go fishing for salmon. But... Blow Joe that farms salmon can't put salmon in here because unless he you know has to pay for it. So I don't know. It's it's a hard analogy to really focus on, but you're basically charging the fishermen and charging the fish at the same time. Redundant much? Know what I mean? Especially considering quite often depending on the you know if you want the really special fish you got to pay <laughs> the customer has to pay too doesn't make any sense i know I, i'm 
like I'm winging this, so I'm not really doing a great job explaining everything. But anyway, um, it's almost been like, I don't know. It's, it's, I've been rambling for a while, which is good because I'm not thinking about the horrible mood I've been in the last week because I've been off of work and doing nothing and haven't left the house since Friday. Yay. Anyways, um, yeah, no, my mic sucks. Uh, I gotta figure out the squeaks and stuff. I gotta try to figure this out. So, um, if you're enjoying yourself, uh, feel free to subscribe. Um, you can go straight to melancholygeek.com. That'll bring you to the Facebook page. Clicking on the learn more button will, will bring you to uh, directly to an iTunes. Uh, to subscribe. Otherwise, feel free to just search me up on your favorite podcast uh, system. Twitter is melancholy underscore geek. I'm looking into email. I, I, I don't know about email. You can still, right now, certainly send me an email at mail at pressmarsh.com for the time being until I start out getting something a little bit better. Uh, but that's my ramblings for day. It is now 23 minutes in 2018 here in the East Coast of Canada. Happy New Year. I hope everyone is well. And uh, let's make this one a better one.